Hi, my name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Heights Baptist Church in Alvin. We're so glad that you found us online and wanted to let you know that at Heights, it's our desire to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. And one of the ways that we strive to do that is by posting weekly content at all of the places that you might visit on a regular basis. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. You can find us with a podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to check out our Instagram page as well. If you're finding us for the first time, make sure that you let us know you were here by going to heightschurch.org connect and filling out the digital connect card. We're so glad that you found us. I want to say good morning to you. I hope that you are doing well. Uh, my name is Lee and I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Heights. If you're a guest with us today, uh, we want to greet you uh, in person and online as well. Hope that you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, celebration and holiday. And tomorrow is a glorious day because kids go back to school. It is going to be a sweet sound of the bus rolling by. I mean, you don't even have to come to a complete stop. We'll just pitch them on, like, you know, just a slow roll by, and we'll, we'll get them on. So uh, we appreciate you teachers, but, but a week is way too long for you guys to have a break. I'm just, I'll just tell you that right now. So, uh, you know, this morning, uh, we're going to get started in a word of prayer. I want to turn your attention to uh, some prayer guides that are out in front of you. This kicks off our uh, Lottie Moon International uh, Missions Offering Month. And so uh, if you're new with us, we are Southern Baptist Church, and we support international missionaries uh, through the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering, and that goes to our International Mission Board. Uh, and so what that does is we support over 4,000 missionaries in 106 countries uh, all around our world, and your giving goes directly to them. And so what that means is they never have to come off the mission field to raise support. Uh, and so literally, you are helping fund missionaries and the gospel going out around our world. And so on their behalf, I want to say a big uh, big thank you to that. So here's a prayer guide that you can be praying through uh, this week. We'll have opportunities to give through. Uh, throughout the month of December as well. So let's open in a word of prayer as we get started. Father, thank you so much uh, for who you are. I, I thank you that, um, Lord, your word tells us you are good. And, and Father, many of us can testify to that goodness. Uh, Lord, I, I pray this morning as we come into your word that you would remove uh, distractions that we might have uh, in our hearts and our minds and, and help us to very clearly hear uh, from you. Um, and Father, I pray that as I attempt to preach this morning from your word, that your, your spirit, the Holy Spirit, will just move uh, in me, through me, uh, in us individually and corporately as a church. Lord, we thank you for just the way you love us, Father. I, I thank you for the boys and girls, the students, the men and women that make up Heights Baptist Church, Father. It is truly an honor uh, for me to be able to stand side by side with them and to love people and lead them to a new life with Christ that many of us have experienced. And so, Lord, we, we pray not only you bless this morning, but you continue to bless our church so that, Father, we may extend that blessing out uh, to, to really the nations, uh, Father, because we do believe that you're a God who deserves all worship from all people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about you. I did not grow up Baptist. Uh, I grew up in a, a Methodist church and then about mid-20s, uh, started reading the Bible more for myself and realized that everybody in the Bible that was baptized was baptized after salvation. Uh, and so I said, well, wait a minute, then 
I need to get baptized, and, and that made me a Baptist, right? And so when I came into the Baptist denomination, uh, the first Baptist church I went to uh, was uh, about our size, a couple of hundred people, two, three hundred folks. And one thing that was really weird to me is everybody called each other brother and sister, and that really threw me because I'm like, okay, there's like 300 people in this room, and how are you all related, right? So I literally called the pastor, who I know, and I said, Pastor Richard, I've got a question because there's something really weird to me. And he's like, what is it? And I was like, how is everybody brothers and sisters in this room? Are y'all like all one big family? Now, some of you are looking at me strange because you grew up Baptist, but this is what non-Baptist people think coming in. He's like, no, 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 we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine. Got it. Check. Check that little weird Baptist thing we do off the list. Then there was another thing that was weird to me, and it was responsive chants back, right? And so we're going to do this because some of you know this one. Is the pastor would every once in a while say this, God is good. There you go. And I was like, how do you people know this? Like, you know, he would say, God is good. Everybody would try to like, God is good all the time. So let me just ask you that. Is he really? I mean, yeah, some of you are automatically like, yeah, he's good, right? And I I was kind of asking that one rhetorically, but, you know, some of you are like, yeah, God's good all the time. Some of you are going to say no. Some of you are going to say, I don't know, right? Because we often define God's goodness and his faithfulness based on our circumstances. See, really easy to say God is good all the time when things are going great in our lives. But you introduce suffering, you introduce pain, you introduce hardship, and then it's harder to go, God is good all the time. So based on your circumstances is based on often how we define God's goodness. But what you and I need to do is constantly course correct, and when you and I and our emotions put us off and we start questioning the goodness of God based on a circumstance, that's where we come back into his word. And that's why we let the Bible define God's goodness. We let the Bible define God's character. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to open up to Psalm 100. And so if you've got an app on your phone or a Bible in your hand, let's go to Psalm 100. Because in Psalm 100, what you see there is God's goodness on display. And you see God's faithfulness on display. Now, Psalm 100 is a really, really neat psalm because it ends the, a section called the kingship psalms or the messianic psalms. So from Psalm 93 to Psalm 100, you see the psalmist often writing about God being this king. And what he's doing is he's pointing you forward to a Messiah to come, to a Savior to come. So Psalm 100 is the last of that section. And in Psalm 100, it's five simple verses, but they're de- the verses here are very, very deep because all you see in the psalm is praise, right? There's not one bad note written in this psalm. And let's just kind of read it together. The psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Look in verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. Here's what I want you to learn this morning. 
And no matter the circumstance you are in, that verse 5 ought to be the heartbeat of us as believers in Jesus Christ. To no matter what's happening in our lives, to be able to say, the Lord is good and his faithfulness endures to all generations. So how do we worship the Lord? How, how do we get to that spot in our lives, no matter the circumstance, that we can at the end of the day say, the Lord is good. First, I want you to see this. What we need to do is first praise the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. So out of our lives, get into this constant rhythm of praise. Look in verse one, he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. If you've got a NIV Bible, it's going to say like, make a shout to the Lord. And so you and I as believers in Jesus Christ, no matter the circumstances, we learn to praise the Lord, make a shout to him. What he, the psalmist is giving you is an idea of enthusiastic praise. All right, so it's kind of bubbling up out of us just constantly. This is who we are. This is what we do. We, we praise the Lord. And that word shout there is an interesting word because it takes us back to the days of kings and queens. So when the king would enter into the throne room, you would have the trumpets playing, right? And the people would, you know, shout. They would be excited. They're in the king's presence. You know, the trumpets are playing loudly, announcing the king has arrived, and now you're in the king's presence, and you're excited, and you're shouting. Now, when I was thinking about that, I thought, well, that, we, we really don't understand that context because we don't have kings and queens here. So the best I could do is this. Three weeks ago, Jordan Alvarez hit a monster home run in game six of the World Series. And all of Houston shouted, right? And we were like, woohoo! You know, if you were watching that, one of the announcements, announcers on the radio actually said, Houston, the city of Houston is literally shaking right now, right? Everybody was shouting, they were praising, they were getting excited. For some of you that you don't get sports, and that's okay, you do this. If you go to a concert of your favorite artist, now for some of you, like, you tried to get Taylor Swift tickets and you were online for like all day long for Taylor Swift tickets. Some of you, you got Taylor Swift tickets. So when she comes to NRG, when you, she walks out on stage, you're going to go, Right? There's Taylor Swift, yeah? Or whatever musical artist you like, when they come on stage, you're gonna give them a polite golf clap, right? Isn't that what the whole stadium's gonna do? Oh, there's Taylor Swift, good job, yeah? Oh, what are they gonna do? And shout, you're gonna scream. There's gonna be so many teenage girls in there that there's like hearing loss that is gonna happen among people around them, right? And that's what the context of this is. When we come into the Lord's presence, whether it's privately or publicly, there ought to be praise within our hearts. We're excited that we're in his presence. Now, also, sometimes the psalmist, if you're already thinking this route with me, then good job. Psalm 46.10 tells us what? To sometimes be still, right? Sometimes in the psalms, we're like, be still in the presence of God. But here the psalmist is like, listen, shout, be excited, enter into his presence with praise, and so first and foremost, you and I ought to be people that shout unto the Lord. We're excited about worshiping the Lord. And notice who that invitation is for. He's saying, make a joyful noise to the Lord, 
all the earth. And so this is God that is including people. He's saying, listen, I I want every person to worship me. I I want all people to know me as a good God. This was obviously written to Jews in a Jewish context. But when you see that word, all people, that's now grafting in the Gentiles. That's an invitation to non-Jewish people to come and to worship the Lord. Remember when God established the nation of Israel. He said, you are my chosen people, Isaiah 49, 6. And he says, you are going to be a light unto the nations. That from the very beginning, God's heartbeat for the Jewish people were to be missionaries, international missionaries, to include in this group called the Gentiles, which would be us. And what does God do in the New Testament? Jesus commissions us to be missionaries. He says, go and make more disciples of all people. Matthew 4, 19, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right? I'm including you in the scope of my work internationally among the nations to see them come and to worship me. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you caught this on the news. It was a couple of weeks ago now that they announced that uh, the world's population has probably now crossed 8 billion people. Right? So, you know, we went from 7 billion to 8 billion just, you know, in a span of about a decade or so. So, 8 billion people. It was announced a couple weeks ago that they believed the eighth billionth person had been born. That's a lot of people. And God desires all eight billion people to worship him. All eight billion people have been created in the image of God. All those people have been separated from God in a personal relationship because of their sin. And God says, I love all eight billion of you so much that I sent my only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in this world to die on a cross for 8 billion people so that 8 billion people could worship me, have a relationship with me, and not be in hell for all of eternity. Now, I know when we talk numbers like that, that is like impossible for us to wrap our minds around how many people that is. So just kind of contextualize it the best you can. Here's how you help reach 8 billion people. It's through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It's to give. It's to pray. It's to go. I mean, maybe some of you this morning, God's working on your heart as a teenager, as a retiree, as a young adult to to go on the international mission field for a time. You need to answer that call and say, all right, Lord, here's how I'm going to do that. Here at Heights, we encourage you to have a four-by-four plan. And so what we encourage you to do is find four people that you you know know that, that don't follow Jesus, Right? They're, they're not believers in Christ. Just find four people in your life. Pray for them. Invite them. Share with them. Right? So find four. Pray for those four regularly for their salvation, for them to come to know that the Lord is good. Right? Pray for them. Invite them. Invite them into church. Invite them into your life group. Invite them into a worship service where they can be in biblical community, praising the Lord with us, hearing the word of God. And share with them. You take the responsibility of sharing the gospel with them. And maybe you don't have four, and you say, hey, I know three people. Okay, great, start with three. Maybe you say, I only know two. All right, start with two. And I only know one. Okay, start with one. But find that one person. Find those two, those three, those four in your life, and invest the gospel in them. How about this way? Here's another way that you help 8 billion people come to know Christ. It's serving in your local church. It's teaching an adult life group, 
It's being on the welcome team, being on the praise team, teaching kids, teaching students, finding a way where you're using your spiritual gifts in a local church context to help 8 billion people come to know Jesus. If we want to say that the Lord is good, we need to learn the rhythm of praising the Lord. But let me show you another rhythm that you and I need to learn. It's learning to rest in the Lord. Learning to rest in Him, right? We ought to be people of praise, and we're praising the Lord. But notice in verse 3, we are people that rest in the Lord. Look what he says. He says, know that the Lord, He is God. He is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So that word know means to know with certainty based on facts, right? So it's a know because you've experienced something, and it's also based on facts. That's a know that the Lord is good. I know that buttercream icing is superior on any cake over Cool Whip icing because I am a connoisseur of icing, If we and my wife are out and there's birthday cake being served, she does not like icing. I'm like, scrape it on over to this plate, baby. She looks at me at some point in the cake eating process and she's like, you want my icing? You know I do. We'll deal with the diabetes and, you know, diabetic comas later in life. But right now, bring the icing on. Especially if that's buttercream. If it's Cool Whip icing, no, keep that stuff to yourself, right? I, I don't want that that day. I know buttercream icing is superior to Kill Whip icing because I have tasted it, and oh, it is good, right? Oh, it's good. You can know that the Lord is good based on tasting him in a personal relationship, so to speak. Learning that the Lord answers those prayer requests. Learning learning that the Lord is faithful in those moments of depression and anxiety and worry and where you don't know where provision is going to come from and he brings it because you've experienced that goodness. So the psalmist is saying, rest in him. Know that the Lord, he is God. And here's how we can know he is God. Look at the end of verse three. It is he who made us, we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Don't skim over the personal pronouns. This is a God who is not distant from you. This is a God who is involved in your life because this is a God who says, I'm your creator. You know, the the Bible clearly shows God's creation in several ways. Uh, First, Psalm 19 is going to show you that God is the creator of all the universe, right? He made all the stars and God made everything, right? You go to Romans chapter one, you're going to see that God made all of us And within all of us, verses 20 through 21, is what you're going to find is what's called the doctrine of general revelation, to where every person on this planet, all 8 billion of them, can walk out on a cloudless night and look up at all the stars, and then fundamentally, at the depths of their soul, go, somebody made that. Somebody put that there. See, it's the question of creation that every person has to answer. Did you create you, or did somebody make you? And if I say somebody made me, then now I'm accountable to that creator, right? So it's not that the clay is telling the potter what to do. It is now the clay that answers to the potter, because the potter has made us. 
And that's what the Bible tells us, that we're accountable to this God because God has made us. And as his creation, we've rebelled against him, but the good news is he's loved us as his creation so much, he's made a way for us to reconcile that relationship through his son, Jesus. And so notice the psalmist is giving us this imagery of sheep and a pasture. We're picking that up from Psalm 23 as well, where we see God saying, you are my sheep, I am your shepherd. This runs us all the way over into the New Testament where Jesus tells us this in John chapter 10, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for my sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also so they'll listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So we can rest in the knowledge of knowing that he is God, but rest in the knowledge that he knows you as his sheep. Right? So you and I can develop that rhythm of praising the Lord, of saying that the Lord is good no matter the circumstance because he's a God worthy of praise, but that he's a God who knows us, a God who loves us, a God who cares for us. But let me give you the third way. It's this, thank the Lord. Just thank the Lord. Let's be a thankful people. He says this in verse four. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Notice these words, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. What are you seeing there? You're seeing words of activity for us, right? We're to be a thankful people. I think the psalmist is pointing us this way, is to come into the private relationship with the Lord, to show private devotion to him, but also public devotion, right? Those are two very important things to grow as believers in Jesus Christ, to privately worship the Lord, right? and, and so to spend time with God. And that's time in prayer each day. That, that's time you know, reading his word. It's time thinking about him. It's time singing songs on the radio about him, right? Being in the presence of God and being thankful in that privately. But it's also publicly being in the presence of God with others, Right? This is what we call Sunday mornings. Right? This is where we come and we worship together. You know? There's sometimes a lot of pushback where people to go, well, you know, do I, do, do I really have to go to church to, to be a Christian? Right? Do I, I really have to go to church to be a Christian? And I always think about it this way. It's like you actually don't have to go to church to be saved, just like you don't have to go to a funeral home to die. But usually they take the body there after it happens. Right? And so why would you not, as a believer in Jesus Christ, want to gather with God's people to worship God together? I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to me. Like, this is what we do as believers in Jesus Christ. We get together and we worship the Lord together. Right? I mean, you see this all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, it's the people of God coming together in the temple to worship the Lord. In the New Testament, they're coming together to worship the Lord. But understand this about this. It's not just coming to come, right? You can come to come, and you can grow a little in your faith, but you're not going to grow much in your faith 
until you are actively coming and worshiping the Lord with others. Like, for instance, this is a terrible time of year to try to lose weight, isn't it? Like, it's just like, man, this is a bad time of year. But tomorrow, I have in all tents and purposes to go to the gym to work out. I've not been to the gym to work out in over six weeks, but tomorrow it's on my calendar to go to the gym to work out. Now, if I go to the gym to work out tomorrow and I walk into Planet Fitness and I put my phone up and I scan the app to let them know I'm there, and I turn to my left where they have in the little lobby area some chairs and tables, and I sit for an hour. I'm in the presence in the gym. I'm there with others. But all I'm doing for that hour is maybe drinking a bottle of water and I'm watching somebody work out on the treadmill. Watching them pick up weights and put them down, right? Watching those insane people do that like stair climbing thing. Oh my gosh, that just looks like torture to me when I go, right? Watching them on the exercise bikes. Am I at the gym? Yeah. Have I really physically done anything? No. So after an hour, the only exercise I truly, really got was walking from my car to the inside and walking from the inside to the outside, right? I got a little bit of exercise, but I could have got a whole lot more if I changed from being just a watcher to a participant, to where I went and I started picking up heavy things and putting them back down, to when I got on the treadmill and started working. I'm going to skip that stair thing, all right? I'm just, I'm going to tell you, I'm just not doing that one. I bless you if you do that. If I got on an exercise bike and I started pedaling, same thing in a church. You will grow more spiritually the more you participate in the life of a church. If you're in a life group, if you're serving, if you're singing, right? I mean, you know, hey, we're, we're glad you come, but we want you to grow. We want you to participate. Because here's the thing about this, and here's how that growth happens, when you worship God, and, and, and when we do what we do in here, and we, we worship the Lord together, there's an element of praising the Lord vertically. Right? So our praise goes to God vertically. That's what we, we're doing. We're, we're saying, hey, you're good, right? You're faithful. But there's also a level of encouragement that goes out horizontally. Here's the thing. I don't know all of your stories, but I know some of your stories. I don't know everybody's story, but I know some of you. And I know some of you in here this morning are battling cancer or you have battled cancer. I know some of you this morning are having some struggles in your marriages. I know some of you this morning that are about to face surgeries here soon and major surgeries. I know some of you here have lost spouses. I know some of you in here have have lost children over the years. And what happens is when in those moments you continue to come and you continue to participate, and you continue to worship, those people that know those stories like me, you're encouraging us. You're blessing us. And so I want to just thank those of you like that this morning to say thank you for helping your pastor's faith grow. Because when I see you doing that, I'm like, man, (laughs) there's something to that. (laughs) There's something God's doing in their life, and I want more of that. I want to be able to do that in my own life as well. 
So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We're giving thanks and blessing his name forever together. Why? Why are we doing this? Why that kind of investment? Why that kind of activity of resting in the Lord, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, being excited in the Lord? Here's why the psalmist gives you in verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is why it's worth it. Because he is good. Not based on a definition you're going to give him based on your circumstance, but based on his very character, based on his very holiness, he is good. He's the definition of goodness. And I love that statement. His faithfulness shows to all generations. Here's the amazing thing once you learn your Bible a little more is you can start reading all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout about the, the nation of Israel and all the things that they, man, they just started you know, running up against hardship after hardship, how God kept delivering them, how God kept working, how God stayed with them all the way through. We run into the New Testament, and now we meet this man by the name of Jesus who comes to redeem us. And we see the early church and all the obstacles that those early Christians had to go through. And we can read all the ways that God showed them faithfulness and all the ways that God delivered them and brought them out of them. And not only can we read our Bible, we can talk to people in our life groups, and we can hear their stories, and their stories how they overcame things. There's stories of how they battled hurts and depression and anxiety and worry and loss and cancer and medical issues. And they can say, hey, here's how God was good to me. And all those stories show you today that he is good. His faithfulness never runs out. How many of you this morning just could put up a hand this morning and go, yep, that's me. I can say that confidently. The Lord is good to me. He has shown me that faithfulness. That's why we can say he is good. God is good this morning and let us praise him. God is faithful this morning. Let us praise him this morning today in our lives. I'm going to ask you just to bow in prayer right where you are. Lord, I want to thank you for, for being good. Father, I want to thank you that your goodness is never defined based on a circumstance but it's based on your character. It's based on who you are. And we can look in this Bible and see your goodness, how you said over and over, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. We can read those stories of the people of Israel of how you showed them goodness and deliverance in time of need. We can read about those early New Testament Christians where you told them in Matthew chapter 28, I am with you till the end of the age. And we can see how the church grew. We can see how people's lives were changed. Father, we can talk to each other in life groups and in the hallways and we can hear each other's stories about how you have been good to us. You have shown us your faithfulness. Lord, I want to thank you for that. I just want to invite you right now where you are to just take another moment today and just thank the Lord for his goodness. Maybe there's something very specifically you can thank him for, whether it's something that happened this year, this month, this week, earlier today, whatever it is, let's just put this in practice to say, Lord, I, I'm coming into your presence. I want to rest there knowing that you're God. 
knowing you're greater than any of my circumstances. And Lord, I just want to say right now, you're good. And thank you for showing me your goodness. What is that? Talk to him about that. That's on your heart. As folks are doing that, I want to invite you into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you have never received Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us that to become followers of Jesus, we need to receive him. And when we receive him in our lives, that he gives us the right, the claim to now be sons and daughters of God, children of his kingdom. And so it is Christ who has died on a cross for your sin. It's Jesus who on the third day rose again to be able to beat death, to be able to give you life and forgiveness. And the Bible says you invite him in, you receive him, you decide to follow Jesus. And as others are praying, maybe right now where you are, you need to just say, I'm ready to follow Christ. And you can pray along with me and just say, dear God, I'm ready to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm ready by faith to trust in him. I receive Jesus and his work in my life today. Father, I thank you so much for the testimonies of your goodness, the testimony of your faithfulness that many folks can give. Father, I thank you that there have been men and women and teenagers in this room and watching at home right now just saying, here's how you've been good. And Lord, I thank you for that time of praise. Lord, we thank you for any person that now just prayed to receive Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, we rejoice in that, and we welcome them into the family of God with just praise as well. And so, Lord, thank you for who you are and the way you love us and care for us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.